Well, hello everyone. This has been requested more than you'd know um, <laughs> by lots of people. Um, so, trigger warning, trigger warning first and foremost. Um, this is going to be a very horrible episode. It is a story of true crime and it is concerning a 16 year old girl. It has a lot of horrible stuff in here. So if you feel like this will be too much, please do not listen. I also want to say, I haven't put loads of research into this because I don't even know how well this will do. So I'm kind of testing the waters here. I have read other stuff about this girl, so I know that the stuff I'm reading isn't made up. But obviously, take everything with a pinch of salt anyway. But we're just going to get into it. So today, obviously, the case of Sylvia Likens is what we're going to be discussing. So Sylvia Marie Likens, she was American. She was born in uh, Indiana, in America, in on January 3rd, 1949. Um, she was the third of five children uh, to Lester Likens and Elizabeth Grimes. Um, they worked at a carnival and they had other children so they had two lots of fraternal twins so Daniel and Diana then they had Sylvia and then they had Benny and Jenny so that is the whole set all of the children and Jenny had polio at the time which caused one of her legs to be weak uh, she limped she had a brace on and obviously a lot of you will probably know what polio is and it does affect you for the whole of your life pretty much so Sylvia's parents' marriage was unstable. Um, it wasn't great. They often sold kind of sweets and pop at stands like through the summer and they moved a lot with the carnival. Um, obviously didn't have a lot of money at all. Um, the Lycan's sons travelled a lot with them to try and help with the jobs but um, the girls, Sylvia and Jenny, were not made to do the same because they worried about their safety and about them getting a good education so they often stayed with their relatives um, so in her teenage years Sylvia would babysit for money or she'd go on chores uh, run errands as they'd say um, and she'd give her parents part of her money so she has been described as being you know very generous very kind very confident and lively um, her friends called her cookie I'm not sure why it doesn't say um but yeah so there was that she loved the beatles music um apparently she was more timid than um jenny and she was quite protective over jenny um she had no front tooth so she didn't so the picture you often see of her she's got her smile but her mouth shut so that's why but her and jenny would often go ice skating um and obviously jenny had to have help because of polio but yeah so it sounds like they had a fairly turbulent but somewhat loving um adolescence and childhood so if we're going to start off in 1965 um the sylvia's mum and her sister lived with their parents in indianapolis and then in the July, her mum was arrested and sent to prison for th um, theft. So 
their dad arranged for them to go and stay with the woman that is the main perpetrator of all this abuse. Now, she has got what I believe is a Dutch surname. So, I'm really sorry if I butcher it, but it's her name is Gertrude Balashevsky. I'm really sorry. I've tried to look at pronunciations and that's kind of what I heard. So, <laughs> but yeah, so she had two daughters of her own um, who knew um, Silver, Sylvia and Jenny because they went to the same technical high school so they were called Paula and Stephanie uh, Balashevsky and then at the time of this like kind of boarding arrangement um, it was kind of agreed that um, it was all fine and that um, she'd be paid $20 a week in exchange for the care of the children so after the 4th of July um, they moved to East New York Street um, and the parents, Lester and their mother, would come and get them at the end of the year, um, in the November. So, the Banaszewski household, the, they were kind of allowed to do what they wanted at first. Um, there was lots of singing, uh, lots of housework, but, and they went to a Sunday school where they were praised, you know, for being religious and being pious. Um, and, yeah, so it seems like they had an alright start, but that's when the abuse started because the parents didn't pay the $20 a week in exchange for the care of the children so after two weeks the payment stopped um, or they'd arrive a day or two late so in response Gertrude the woman would start kind of beating Sylvia and Jenny with a paddle and yelling, you know, saying that she was not getting anything for looking after them, which was their fault. So they were being beaten with this paddle, which seemed to be Gertrude's chosen weapon. Um, and the sisters Paula and Stephanie would then start joining in with saying, you know, they did this, they did that, even if it was untrue. So by kind of coming up to the end of August, uh, Gertrude actually had chosen to focus her abuse and so-called discipline on Sylvia, who obviously we're discussing today. So a lot of these um, mentioned that she must have been, a lot of the girls were jealous of the way Sylvia looked because she was a very pretty girl. Sorry, my phone just buzzed. She was a very pretty girl and she had a really good figure for her age. So I think a lot of people were very jealous of Sylvia. So, and she also had an education, which obviously some of these girls won't have done. Um, so, apparently the initial abuse um, was just beating, and then it began to have starvation included, um, or making her eat food out of the bin. Uh, they'd accuse her of being a thief, um, and stuff like that so then one time Sylvia mentioned that she had a boyfriend in Long Beach California who she'd met in 1965 when she lived there um and this somehow escalated to Gertrude Paula and Stephanie insinuating that she was a sex worker and Sylvia said that she'd once lain in bed with her boyfriend but obviously that's all but then they start saying you know you look pregnant, you're going to be pregnant. If you touch a boy in any way, you will have a baby. Obviously frightening these girls. Um, so, but then they started, obviously, when it was clear, obviously, she wasn't having a baby. Um, 
Paula was though, she was pregnant, um, and so they started to beat her kind of more in sexual areas, so such as in the genitals, um, you know, just beating her generally. And they'd force feed her things that were really nasty, like um, an example here is a hot dog overloaded with condiments, including mustard, ketchup and spices, which made Sylvia sick, and then they would make her eat her sick. So basically treating her like some sort of wild animal. So it's said that Sylvia was like obviously very angry and upset because of the way she was being treated. So in order to retaliate and get back, she spread a rumour around the school that Stephanie and Paula went to as well that their Stephanie and Paula were sex workers because I imagine that, you know, she's being called a sex worker and obviously she's like, well, that's not me, so I'm just going to say that you are instead because obviously this is a big slur and still is to a lot of people today, um, but obviously very different back then. So Stephanie actually found out, asked Sylvia if she'd admitted it to starting it and she did. So Stephanie started beating her and um, Sylvia actually apologised and was upset and Stephanie surprisingly also began to be upset too with her. But then Stephanie's boyfriend, Coy Randolph Hubbard, also 15, um, he attacked Sylvia um, like quite severely and then Gertrude found out and beat her again with a paddle. So she was obviously very, very, very beaten for this rumour so it's shockingly I find so far that Paula is the one that's more severe to Sylvia um Paula actually beat Sylvia with such aggression she broke her own wrist um because she was punching her in the teeth and the eyes and then when she had a cast put on she actually used the cast to then beat Sylvia so um yeah Gertrude would then because obviously they have been they are a religious family as well she'd go on about you know how disgusting sex work was and women of the inferior sex um and then she started getting her um Sylvia's sister Jenny to hit her because if Jenny didn't Jenny would also receive a beating so it started to get progressively worse and worse and worse so Coy the boyfriend and his classmates often went over just to abuse Sylvia um, with the other daughters and Gertrude. So Gertrude would encourage this and they'd all beat Sylvia. Uh, they'd practice violent judo on her, they'd lacerate her, they'd burn her, um, they'd injure her genitals um, and she was forced at one point to be naked and to masturbate with a Pepsi bottle which was glass so that Gertrude could tell everybody that this is the kind of girl Sylvia was and that she was a sex worker and to humiliate her essentially and also obviously during this time you'd be going through puberty or just coming out of it and obviously things very you know things are changing about your body as well so she stopped Sylvia going to school after she admitted she'd stolen a PE um kit from school because Gertrude wouldn't let her buy any clothes so because of the theft she whipped her with a police belt um and then surprisingly again Stephanie the daughter sided with Sylvia and said you know leave her alone she didn't do anything but Gertrude continued she'd burn Sylvia's fingertips and whip her and then she'd whip Jenny because she stole 
clothing as well, such as a tennis shoe to wear on her stronger foot because she wasn't given any clothes. So the girls were obviously fearful of telling anybody about this and the abuse, the neglect, everything going on at school because they obviously you'd think it would worsen the situation. Um, Jenny in particular, because she's obviously younger than Sylvia and she was also threatened that she would have the same treatment as her sister if she told anyone. Um, she was also being bullied by the other girls in the kind of area, local area. Um, so also having Sylvia used as like an act, like something to talk about and humiliate Jenny. So like shockingly, Lester and Elizabeth, the parents, would return to Indianapolis and visit uh, if they were able to. Um, they visited in October but neither of the girls showed any sign of mistreatment or distress, which I don't know, I find hard to believe you couldn't see it, but obviously they're going to be standing there with Gertrude, Paula and Stephanie. Um, but after the parents had left, um, Gertrude turned to Sylvia and said, what are you going to do now, now that they're gone? Um, obviously that's threatening in itself. Um, they actually encountered the older sister, Diana, at a park. Um, Jenny and Sylvia told Diana about the abuse um, and said Sylvia was being targeted um, but they didn't say the actual address where they were and Diana ended up believing that they were exaggerating because of the hideous like range of abuse that was being done so before that they'd actually seen her in the same park um, in the company of an 11 year old Marie Banaszewski um, and Sylvia was given food in the park, but she didn't say anything. But um, apparently Marie, this girl, told her family, and in response, Gertrude told Sylvia, you know, she was greedy, she choked her, she bludgeoned her for eating a sandwich in the park. Um, And then she was made to get into a scalding hot bath so she could, quote, cleanse her of sin. Um, They grabbed her hair, banging her head against the bath to revive her if she fainted. So after this, um, the father of a local boy, Michael Munro, phoned the school anonymously to report that um, Sylvia had open sores across her whole body, living at the Banaszewski household, um, and she'd not been in school for several days. So the school nurse actually investigated these claims, um, but Gertrude said that Sylvia had run away from her actual home, and that um she was out of control and her sores were a result of her refusal to clean herself um and she said that she was a bad influence on her own children on her sister jenny so the school stopped investigating this so um the neighbors right next door were actually a middle-aged couple raymond and phyllis vermilion um and they saw gertrude as like a wonderful caregiver a great person um but they did see Paula physically hitting Sylvia um and giving her black eyes and boasting about this um and then the second time they did see Sylvia seeming very like a, almost like a zombie completely mistreated but they never reported this which is interesting so in the October the older sister Diana discovered that the sisters were at the Banaszewski residence so she visited to try and see them regularly, but Gertrude actually stopped Diana from doing this, saying that she needed to, um, that she had received permission 
from Diana and the girl's parents to not allow anyone to see them. So she then told her to like get away and go away. So Diana found Jenny by accident near the house and asked about Sylvia. And all Jenny said was, I can't tell you all, I'll get in trouble. So it's clear that there's some sort of, you know, effort on Diane's part to see her sisters here. So this is where it starts to escalate even more. I know it sounds like it couldn't, but it does. Um, there are images of, or a couple of images at least, of um, Sylvia. So look at your own risk. But um, she actually started to become incontinent, Sylvia did, which means that she would wet herself. Um, so she was told she couldn't use the toilet, so she was forced to just soil herself. And then they'd punish her for this. So from October, she started being put into the basement, tied up. She'd be naked, she wouldn't be fed, she wouldn't be given water that much. She'd be tied to the stairs, um, almost suspended. Um, she Gertrude would then, you know, start goading on the other kids, saying that Sylvia had been slagging them off in like a hope that they'd start attacking her as well. Uh, she threatened Sylvia with a knife. Uh, Sylvia didn't respond, like in a physical way. So Gertrude scoured her leg. Um, it was occasionally ceased. The uh, Banashevskis liked to watch TV. So when their favourite shows would come on, the torment would stop for a bit. Um, but the other children in the local area were actually charged five cents per person to see Sylvia and to humiliate her, to hit her, to burn her, to scold her, to mutilate her body and Gertrude often with all the others restrained, gagged her and placed her in a bathtub of burning water and rubbed salt into her open wounds. So it's a wonder really that this girl even was managing to stay alive because this is just the most horrific, evil, disgusting, awful thing. It's just no words. <laughs> no words. So Gertrude and her son John Jr. rubbed what like urine and excrement from Gertrude's one year old's nappy into her mouth. And then all she was given for the rest of the day was half filled cup of water. So John Balashevsky Jr. Uh, offered her soup um, and he'd say you have to eat it with your hands and then she'd go to do it and he'd take away the bowl. But of course she, at this point she was dying from starvation. Um, so she'd try and maintain, to try and keep eating the food. So for some reason Gertrude decided to let Sylvia sleep upstairs on the condition that she learned not to wet herself. Um, and Sylvia would ask Jenny to give her some water when they were alone. Um, so the first night Gertrude found that obviously Sylvia had wet herself because she couldn't help it. So to punish her she put a Coca-Cola bottle into her vagina in the presence of the other children and she'd shout at Sylvia to return to the kitchen strip naked and um, she actually carved the words 
I'm a prostitute and proud of it into Sylvia's torso with a hot needle which you can see a picture of so she for some reason didn't finish this so one of the other kids did it a Richard Hobbs um so Gertrude takes Jenny to a shop um but Hobbs the kid continued to brand her um and then Hobbs and a 10-year-old girl, Shirley Banaszewski, um, put her in the basement and used an anchor bolt to try and burn the letter S in the centre of her chest. But they put it on backwards, so they essentially put in the number three on her. Um, so Gertrude t- returned and said, you know, Sylvia, you'll never get married because of these scars. Um, what are you going to do now? And Sylvia just cried and said, I guess there's nothing I can do. And then she was made to display the torture and the scars and wounds to the children in the area. And Gertrude said that she'd got it from a sex party. So that night, Sylvia said to Jenny, I know, Jenny, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm going to die. I can tell it. So the next day, Gertrude woke Sylvia up, forced her to write a letter um, where she misled her parents into believing that she'd run away from Gertrude's house. So it was meant to frame a group of local boys for abusing her, mutilating her, having sex with her. Um, So after she wrote the letter, Gertrude finished planning to have her son and Jenny blindfold her and take her to the woods nearby and leave her there to die in what was called Jimmy's Forest. So after she'd finished writing this, um, Sylvia was taken to the stairs, offered crackers to eat, but she refused them, saying, give it to the dog, I don't want it. So Gertrude forced her to eat them before she was beaten um, around the stomach. Right, okay, so October, the end of October. Um, Sylvia learns of this plan to kill her in the woods, abandon her. So she tries to run away. She actually tries to run away. But obviously she can't run anywhere because she is so thin and wounded. So she gets caught. Um, She was given toast to eat. But obviously she couldn't eat this because of her lack of water and kind of used to food so Gertrude forced her to eat it and then hit her with a curtain rod until she bent the rod into angle right angles so the boyfriend Coy Hubbard took the curtain rod um and then hit Sylvia again which knocked her out and then she was dragged to the basement so it's said that Sylvia tried to tell the neighbours by screaming and hitting things in the basement with a spade one neighbour told the police she heard commotion uh, from the basement, but that the noise stopped at 3am, so she didn't tell anyone, which I find really, really strange. Um, so October 26th, um, Sylvia couldn't speak or coordinate her limb movements, so Gertrude took Sylvia to the kitchen, propped her against the wall, fed her a donut and milk, 
Um, and then when she couldn't move the glass of milk to drink it, she threw her on the floor and put her in the basement. So Sylvia starts to become delirious by kind of moaning, falling around. Uh, so delirium is organically caused decline from a previous baseline mental functioning so it develops over a short period of time typically hours to days it's syndrome whether there's disturbances in attention consciousness and cognition neurological deficits um but yes so paula um asks her to recite the alphabet in english which sylvia couldn't do um past a b c d so paula threatens you know stand up or I'll use you as a long jump or jump on her. So Gertrude orders Sylvia, who had gone to the toilet to clean herself up. So uh, Sylvia uh, was in the basement and lots of the other people who bullied her and tortured her went into the basement to join her. So she was obviously trying to point at the faces of these people saying things like you're Ricky you're Gertie you're Coy but Gertrude shouted shut up you know who I am so Sylvia then tries to eat a rotten pear but she could feel her teeth falling out so Jenny replies don't you remember Sylvia your front tooth was knocked out when you were seven and then they left her in the basement to go in the garden uh, to try and earn money. So in an attempt to wash Sylvia, John Jr. sprayed her with a garden hose, laughing while he did it. Um, so Sylvia tries to exit the basement, but she collapses. So Gertrude stamps on her head. Um, so after 5.30 and in the afternoon, Richard Hobbs returned. Uh, went to the basement, slipped on the wet stairs, fell on the floor, uh, and saw Stephanie crying and cuddling Sylvia's body after she'd been ordered to clean her by Gertrude. So Stephanie and Richard decide to give Sylvia a warm, soapy bath, give her new clothes, and put her on a mattress in one of the bedrooms. And Sylvia whispered that she wished her daddy was here. And asked if Stephanie could take her home. Um, and Stephanie turned to her sister Shirley and said, Oh, she'll be alright. But obviously she realised then that Sylvia wasn't breathing. She tried to give her mouth to mouth. Um, as Gertrude was saying, you know, she's faking it, she's pretending. But Sylvia died age 16 from her injuries in 1965. So, obviously, there's a lot that's happened here. Um, so, Gertrude initially started beating Sylvie's body with a book, shouting, Faker, Faker, trying to make her wake up. Obviously, realising she's dead, she panics, instructs Richard to call the police. The police arrive at 6.30. Gertrude, for some reason, takes them straight to Sylvie's body, which was emaciated hugely bludgeoned, mutilated, lying on a soiled mattress. But then she hands them the letter Sylvia wrote, and she claims she'd been doctoring her, um, put having put like alcohol on her wounds, 
um, but she died anyway, and that she'd run away from home with several boys. Um, so holding a Bible, Paula, the sister who was pregnant, um, said Sylvia's death was meant to happen and looked at Jenny and said, if you want to live with us, Jenny, we'll treat you like our own sister. So as instructed by Gertrude before, Jenny recited the rehearsed version of events. Um, but then she whispered to the officers, you get me out of here and I'll tell you everything. So the formal statement provided by Jenny Likens prompted them to arrest Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, John Jr. Balashevsky on suspicion of murder um, within the same hours. So the same day, Coy Hubbard and Richard Hobbs were also arrested and charged. Three eldest Balashevsky children plus Coy Hubbard were put in custody in the juvenile detention centre. The younger Balashevsky killed children and Richard Hobbs were detained in a children's guardian's home in Indianapolis and they none of them had bail. So initially Gertrude uh, denied all of this, obviously, saying that, you know, having... Um, she confessed to having known that, quote, the kids, in particular Paula and Coy, had abused Sylvia, saying that Paula did most of it, Coy did a lot of it, um, that she did force her to sleep on the basement, but only on three occasions when she'd wet the bed, and she kind of denied and became very strange when officers started to say, you know, one of the reasons Sylvia would have been becoming continent is because of the amount of distress and injury to her and her kidneys. So Paula didn't have any remorse. She signed a statement admitting to have repeatedly beaten Sylvia uh, with a police belt, broke her wrist on Sylvia's mouth, uh, brutality, pushing her black eyes. John Jr. admitted to having spanked Sylvia, but added that he, most of the time I use my fists. Uh, he admitted to having burned her, uh, adding that Gertrude had burnt her more with cigarettes. Um, five of the local children, Michael Monroe, Randy Lepper, Darlene Maguire, Judy Duke and Anna Sisko, had also been arrested or were charged, causing injury, and released into the custody of their parents under a subpoena to appear as witnesses. So the autopsy of Sylvia's body revealed she'd suffered an in excess of 150 separate wounds across her whole body, in addition to being emaciated. The wounds varied in every way but they include burns severe bruising extensive muscle and nerve damage her vaginal cavity was almost swollen shut her fingernails were broken backwards external layers of skin on her face breast neck and right knee were peeled or receded and in her death throes she had bitten through her lips severing sections of them from her face so the coroner dr arthur keeble uh, said a subdural hematoma was probably the reason for her ultimate death, which is a type of bleeding, um, a collection of blood associated with traumatic brain injuries, gathers between the inner layer of the dura mater and the arachnoid mater of the... Um, <laughs> sounds so stupid. Men meninges surrounding the brain. I'm sorry, I'm not a science scientist, I don't know. Um because of her having severe blows to the right temple so both the shock and prolonged damage inflicted uh, to her skin and subcutaneous tissues severe malnutrition all added to her death so rigor mortis had fully developed by the time of the discovery of her body which means that you go completely stiff so it means that she's probably been dead for up to eight hours before found 
but she did they did note she had been recently bathed possibly after dying which could have increased the loss of body temperature uh, and increased rigor mortis to set in so obviously at this point we're all wondering like where the hell her parents are <laughs> um so the funeral service for Sylvia was conducted at the Russell and Hitch Funeral Home in um, Indianapolis in Lebanon, where she was born, October 29th. The service was officiated by Reverend Louis Gibson. Over 100 people attended. Her grey casket remained open with a portrait of her from the July in 1965 by the coffin. In the eulogy, the Reverend said, we all have our time of passing but we won't suffer like our little sister suffered during the last days of her life. The Reverend then walked towards her casket before adding she has gone to eternity. Um, it was placed by pallbearers in a hearse driven to Oak Hill Cemetery to be interred as a one of a 14-vehicle procession, and her headstone is inscribed with the words, Our Darling Daughter. So, December 30th, 1965, the uh, Marion County Grand Jury returned first-degree murder indictments against Gertrude Banaszewski and two of her three oldest children, Paula and John. Um, also indicted were Richard Hobbs and Coy Hubbard, all were charged with having, you know, beaten and tortured her, causing her death with premeditated malice. And three weeks before this, um, against the five defendants, Stephanie Banaszewski was released from custody um upon a writ of he was corpus bond so this is under u.s law a recourse challenging the reasons or conditions of a person's person's confinement under color of law um so about guardians custodians etc so her attorney successfully contended that there was insufficient evidence to support any murder or culmination of fatal injuries against her in stephanie's um point of view stephanie waived her immunity from any potential impending prosecution and she agreed to testify against her family and everyone else involved um and at a formal pre-trial hearing in the march of 1966 several psychiatrists testified um from their evaluations they'd done on three people uh, indicated uh, indicted upon sylvia's murder um these all testified that all three were mentally competent to stand trial um a section of paula balashevsky's evaluation um said she meaning paula represented the situation as one in which the girl sylvia had become quite withdrawn and negativistic in her behavior to the extent that she refused to eat and showed no response to pain so obviously she's made it seem completely indifferent so Gertrude's trial, um, her children Paula John, Richard Coy, uh, also included, began April nineteen sixty six. All were tried together. Um, so they were announcing their intention to seek the death penalty from the prosecution, um, and they were all tried together because tried together because they were charged with acting in uh, concert in their collective crimes. Um, so each prospective juror was questioned by councils um, about their opinions on capital punishment um, and whether a, a mother was actually responsible for her children. Um, but jurors who expressed the, any opposition to the death penalty were excused from duty um, and any who had worked with children expressed prejudice against any insanity defence or repulsion regarding the horrific nature of Sylvia's death were also excused by defence counsels. Um, Gertrude herself pled not guilty by reason of insanity. 
Um, the attorneys for the rest of them um, claimed that their individual defendant had been um, pressured by Gertrude. So one of the first witnesses was actually uh, a coroner um, and discussed, you know, the autopsy and that um, she must have been in acute shock. Um, but she was in too advanced a state of shock to offer much resistance to anything. Um, and he, you know, emphasised the swelling inside and around her genitals. But the fact that she didn't have any sexual molestation uh, evidence. So Jenny then testified in the May against everyone, stating everything that had happened and that she'd done nothing to deserve this and that there was no truth in any of the rumours. Um, and she also said that she had to abuse her sister and that she had endured about two weeks before everything happened um, and that Sylvia had actually, well, I assume um, Sylvia couldn't cry because of the amount of dehydration so jenny cried and said how bef days before sylvia died she said she was going she knew she was going to so this was corroborated by randy leper um <coughs> about the tears um he also testified to having witnessed stephanie strike sylvia hard after gertrude ordered it um, a minister um, said he knew of girls being abused in the household um, and about the um, rumours Gertrude had perpetuated about sex work. Um, basically, everybody said that they'd seen this. Um, I think one of the most disgusting things is Richard Hobbs made a remark saying everybody's having fun with Sylvia meaning you know salt being rubbed into the sores on her legs until she screamed and things like this so Gertrude testified in her own defence she denied all responsibility claiming her children and other children did it uh, in what she described as such a madhouse she also said that she had ill health and depression um, so she said she'd started to spank Sylvia on an occasion, but she was emotionally unable to finish doing so and hadn't hit her any more than that. And she said none of the rest ever happened. So Richard Hobbs testified in his own defence, saying her Gertrude um, branded her, etched into her skin. Um, so he also said after Sylvia's death he just went home and watched the rest of the Lloyd Thaxton show with no issue about it um Marie Banaszewski admitted to the hot needle in her abdomen and broke down on the stand um Gertrude sat on a chair and crocheted as she watched another girl named Anna Sisko attack Sylvia um Grace Sargent said she saw sat close to Paula on a church bus and heard her bragging about breaking her wrist on her face. Um, so essentially everybody's kind of... It's all being omitted here. So court-appointed Dr. Dwight Shuster testified for the prosecution um, and he'd assessed Gertrude, um, saying she'd been evasive, uncooperative, and he believed that she was sane, fully in control of her actions, adding that she'd been sane in October 1965 and remained sane at that date. And um, he was... Um, subjected to two hours of cross-examination 
by the defence, but he remained that Gertrude was not and never had been psychotic. So the closing arguments were that, um, you know, there was essentially just going over everything. Um, there was a rebuttal, so Leroy New rebutted the defence counsel's closing arguments by promising to speak through the mangled and shredded lips of Sylvia Likens. I see her wherever I look. So, um, he knew, knew, he directly addressed criticism he'd received, um, in his closing argument of cross-examination, um, and started, you know, basically saying, you know, you didn't do this right, the prosecution didn't do this right, um, and he emphasised the defendant's unison in their mistreatment of Likens, uh, Sylvia Likens. So, it, they're essentially trying to, you know, make it, make it less than it is. So, try and not get the death penalty. So, the conviction. The trial of the five defendants lasted 17 days before they retired to consider the verdict. May 19th, 1966, after eight hours, eight men and four women found Gertrude Banaszewski guilty of first-degree murder, recommending a sentence of life imprisonment. Paula Banaszewski was found guilty of second-degree murder. Hobbs, Hubbard and John Banaszewski Jr. were found guilty of manslaughter. Judge Rab pronounced uh, the verdicts and Gertrude and her children cried and attempted to console each other whereas Richard Hobbs and Coy Hubbard remained completely non-fussed. So, May 25th, Paula and Gertrude were sentenced to life. Uh, same day, Hobbs, Hubbard and John Jr. got um, 2 to 21 years. And there's pictures of Gertrude and her son disgustingly consoling each other. There were retrials in 1970, which reversed the convictions of Gertrude and Paula on the basis that the judge didn't, uh, denied repeatedly submitted motions by defence. Um, so they were retried in 71 where Paula opted to plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter rather than face a retrial. So she was sentenced to serve a term between 2 and 20 years. Um, despite twice unsuccessfully trying to escape from prison, she was released in December 1972 but Gertrude was convicted again of first degree murder and sent him back to life in prison and over the course of the following 14 years Gertrude became known as a model prisoner um, she was working in a sewing shop known as a den mother to female inmates uh, some called her mom. her parole in 1985 she changed her name to Nadine Van Fossen so it's a combination of her names and described herself as a kind of, you know, very pious Christian. Um, so her parole caused complete uproar and controversy in Indiana, obviously. Um, a lot of people were hideously outraged. Sidewalk picket campaigns, uh, 40,000 signatures um, trying to go against this, demanding she remained incarcerated. She said... Get this, Gertrude Banaszewski said that her wish was that Sylvia's death could be undone, but she still minimised her responsibility for any of it, saying, I'm not sure what role I had because I was on drugs. I never really knew her. I take full responsibility for whatever happened to Sylvia. Just makes me feel sick, honestly. Taking Gertrude's good conduct in prison into account, they gave her parole and she was released December 4th, 1985. There's a picture of her on her release. Just disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. She moved to Iowa 
she never fully admitted or accepted Sylvie's death being her fault. Uh, couldn't recall her actions apparently, blamed it upon meds that she'd been on for her asthma, which, you know, is just beyond me. She did die of lung cancer um, in relative obscurity on June 16th, 1990, age 61. There was some question of her sanity at both trials, um, but... A lot of people were saying, you know, she was assessed and she didn't come across as insane. She just came across as a hideous woman. Um, and that a lot of her children's actions was the, were the result of children going wild and doing what they were told. Um, they're trying to add a motive, uh, which they put down to jealousy, as stated at the beginning of the podcast. And after her 1972 parole, Paula got a new identity as well and unbelievably she worked as an aide to a school counsellor for 14 years um in Iowa and she changed her name to Paula Pace to conceal her criminal history when applying for the position but she was fired in 2012 when the school discovered her true identity thank god and apparently she lives in a small town in Iowa and is married with two kids and um the daughter she had while being tried in 1966 and she named Gertrude, was actually later adopted. So Stephanie, uh, was her charges were dropped after she agreed to turn state's evidence um, on her the other defendants. Um, but the prosecutors did resubmit their case in 66, um, and prosecute her in a separate trial, but that never happened. She got a new name, became a school teacher. Again, shocking. But she later married and has several children, and her name is Stephanie Ser- Serikstad, Serikstad, and lives in Florida. Um, somebody asked her why she turned against the defendants, and she said, I'm just here in the hope I can help anybody. Which is just like, what? So, Marie, Shirley and James Banaszewski were put into foster homes. All the names were changed, the surnames were changed to Blake in the 60s after their father regained custody. Marie got married, but um, her name was Marie Shelton and died. She died in 2017, age 62, naturally. And Dennis Lee Wright Jr. was adopted. Um, his adopted mum named him Denny Lee White and he died in 2012 at age 47. So Richard Hobbs, Coy Hubbard and John Banaszewski Jr. each served less than two years before being granted parole in 68. Hobbs died of lung cancer at the age of 21. 21. 1972, less than four years after his release. Um, He's said to have had at least one nervous breakdown in between his release and dying. Um, Coy Hubbard remained in Indiana, never changed his name, uh, repeatedly put in prison. Uh, at one point he was charged with the 1977 murders of two young men Um, but he was acquitted Uh, and then after the January 2007 premiere of the crime drama film An American Crime he was fired and he died of a heart attack in Indiana on June 23rd age 56 John Stephen Banaszewski Jr. lived in fairly relative obscurity under the alias John Blake he became a lay minister again shocking Um, hosting counselling sessions for children of divorced parents Um, 
After his release, he issued a statement where he acknowledged he and his co-defendants should have been sentenced to more severe punishment and added that young criminals are not beyond rehabilitation and said he was now a productive citizen. He divide, uh, he divide, he died of diabetes in 2005, age 52. Um, he did admit he enjoyed the attention Sylvia's murder brought him and claimed to have had only ever hit Sylvia once. So the injury to person charges brought over the other kids, uh, Anna Ruth Sisko, Judy Darlene Duke, Michael John Monroe, Darlene Maguire and Randy Gordon Lepper were dropped. Anna married, she died in 1996 at age 44, already a grandmother. Lepper, um, who was smirking and smiling at his trial, testified to having hit Sylvia at least 40 times. He died at 56 20, in 2010. And Jenny, moving on to Jenny, uh, she later married an Indianapolis native named Leonard Reese Wade. They had two children, but she remained completely traumatised by the abuse that she watched Sylvia have and endure um, and she had to take anxiety medication for the rest of her life. She died of a heart attack uh, June 2004, age 54, um, where she lived in Indiana. Um, 14 years before that, um, she viewed Gertrude's obituary in a newspaper and she clipped the section and then mailed it to her mother with a note reading, some good news, damn old Gertrude died, ha ha ha, I am happy about that. The parents, Elizabeth and Lester Likens, died in 98 and 2013 respectively and the years prior to her own death, Jenny had emphasised no blame should be placed on her parents for putting them in Gertrude's care, saying that her parents had trusted Gertrude um, and that they were coming back. So the house where she was tortured was empty for years, um, the property became dilapidated um, but the necessary funds to create make it a women's shelter were never raised so the house was demolished in 2009 and there's now a church car park so 2001 a six foot tall granite memorial was dedicated to sylvia in washington street in indianapolis um so her death is credited with the adoption of Indiana's mandated reporter law and with an increased understanding of the investigation and recognition of abuse and the law states that should a member of the public suspect a child of suffering abuse or neglect the citizen suspecting this abuse has a legal obligation to report the abuse to authorities. Diana Bedwell, her sister, uh, Sylvia's sister, in 2015, and lots of other people gathered in Lebanon, Indiana, to honour Sylvia, reflect upon the 50th anniversary of her death, to honour all children who lose their lives to child abuse. Diana informed those present that Sylvia's legacy must be remembered, and the way she died must be remembered. And there is now Sylvia's Child Advo Advocacy Centre, which is dedicated to her memory. In 2010, it was created. Um a non-profit organisation. Um, it was initially in the Boone County Child Advocacy Centre, but it was renamed. Um, so there are films on American Crime from 2007, which is based upon the life and murder of Sylvia. Um, the Girl Next Door is loosely based upon Sylvia as well, released in 2007 again. There was an in Investigation Discovery Channel documentary on Sylvia, um... Uh, series called Deadly Women um, 
So, Lester and Elizabeth's oldest daughter, Diana, was actually somewhat estranged from her family, and she was forbidden by her parents to initiate contact with the younger siblings, um, apparently. So, Sylvia and her siblings actually moved a lot. They lived in 19 different houses um, during Sylvia's life. Um, her father Lester testified he'd known the Banaszewskis were a poor family but he'd not checked to see the condition of the house before allowing the care of his children Um, following her release from jail Elizabeth who went to jail for shoplifting uh, joined her husband in their employment with the travelling carnival Jenny uh, said um, according to Jenny Sylvia did not spread any rumours of um, a sexual nature um, she insisted the rumours were false and spread against Sylvia. Stephanie Balashevsky initially believed the rumours um, started by Paula that um, Sylvia had spread distasteful rumours, which apparently she did, but now it's, you know, people said that she didn't. Um, one of the reasons Diana believed Sylvia and Jenny had been exaggerating it was actually because the scale of abuse Sylvia in particular endured was that their father had occasionally struck five children, the five children with the belt as a form of discipline. So she kind of just thought, oh, you're exaggerating. Um, so, contemporary law in Indiana presumed children beneath the age of 15 at the time of the offence to be incapable of any criminal intent, although this presumption could be rebutted by sufficient evidence only children younger than seven were completely exempt from prosecution and testimony delivered at trial clearly illustrated Paula Banaszewski and her mother as being the most enthusiastic participants in Sylvia's death and torture. It is a really really hideous case, it's horrifying it's one of those ones that stays with you because of how awful it really is. Sylvia was just 16 years old. Um, she's a child. Um, and it doesn't really sound like she had much of life before going to Gertrude's residency anyway um, because of travelling and financial problems. It is pretty horrific, um, and I hope that, you know, reading this has encouraged you maybe to donate or look at the foundation, advocacy foundation created in Sylvia's name. Uh, I'm kind of at a loss for words, I don't really think there's much to say about this other than my personal opinion, which you may have a different one, but my personal opinion is that um, Gertrude should have received the death penalty. Um, yeah I don't know there's not much to say is there other than this was just hideous so I'm just going to leave it there let me know what you thought I know that it's not my own like research across different platforms I have just read this from the account um, given online but so you can find that anywhere on Wikipedia and whatnot so um, it's not necessarily 100% accurate but yeah, so if you liked it, let me know. I've tried to be quieter in this episode so that you can put it on a bit louder than normal because I know that I do yell. So yeah, let me know what you thought. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Um, stay safe. Treat each other with kindness. And uh, yeah, my heart goes out for Sylvia and Jenny. Massively. So, yes.
Okay, till next time. <laughs> Goodbye.